Thank you, Brother Todd, for that prayer. <clears throat> it's been a joy for our family to be here with you this weekend to see and uh, and get to know a few of the faces and names that Marita talks about. Um, and that is where she, she beats her paths around here. And so thank you very much for taking care of our daughter. She's having a good experience, and we're grateful for that. Invite you to come and visit us anytime over there in Grove City. We're just about four hours away. And uh, if you're going that direction at all, we'd be happy to have you stop in. We do plan to leave after the service this evening and drive home tonight. You can remember us in prayer for that. We're anxious to get back and get back to work tomorrow, actually. Remember our congregation in prayer as well. Um, some of you have asked and some of you are aware that our uh, Bishop Mel Byler's wife, Elizabeth, had a heart attack about three weeks ago or so. Now she's been in intensive care, had open-heart surgery. We thought we were going to have a funeral, um, or nearly so. We didn't know what the Lord had for us, but she's on a very slow path to recovery. Her kidneys are not yet working, but she was moved out of ICU, and so we can appreciate your prayers in that. Been also very encouraged with your uh, attentiveness and uh, your words of encouragement. Um, God is working among you, and I'm very thrilled to hear the hear of that. I want to just uh, encourage you on in building the kingdom of God and your local, the local body of Christ. I nearly preached a sermon on the local body of Christ, but then last minute changed my mind. Um, not that it was less important, but just thought that it fit better. But really, um, if we love Jesus, and we say we love Jesus, and He means so much to us, we must also love His bride. That bride is lived and worked out right here. I encourage you, plug in and love it, support it. And uh, I just see so much in Scripture that has to talk about the local bride of Christ. And it's a thrill to me to be a part of it. And uh, I'm just I'm so thrilled when I see others who are plugged in and are enjoying and building God's kingdom by loving His bride and working through her. But tonight I'm going to take a different direction. I spoke to you about the necessity, the advantage of having a pure heart. The pure in heart are on the breathless adventure of seeing God in everything. I trust you'll experience more and more of that awe, that awesomeness of seeing God in everything. Also talk to you about the need and the necessity to be profitable servants. And the uh, and I think when servants are profitable and they see the opportunities, they can become tired. Because they're so busy. And they also need to be careful about how they handle the responsibilities. And I tried to talk to you about that today. Tonight I want to bring you a message that is directed toward being overwhelmed. I've entitled this message, The High Rock and the Overwhelmed Heart. I'm going to take it from Psalm 61. Psalm 61, verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. 
When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I have no idea, really, of how you feel tonight. But I, if I know people a little bit, I know that there is anxiety. We, we struggle in the flesh. We're fleshly. And we struggle with anxiety sometimes. Because we're human. And there is pressure in life. And our, our very makeup is frail. Our minds, our brains are actually frail. And they must be cared for. And I hope the message tonight can be part of that care. But maybe tonight you've come here completely rested and trusting. I'm glad. And so, if this situation you find yourself in now, completely rested and trusting, perhaps tonight will be like taking vitamins. Preventative. I hope. But if you are a thinking, living, breathing human being, living in a real world, then you are at some time going to be overwhelmed. And that being overwhelmed can be when the cares of life increase, when life is hard, when fears off to fright us, or you're in a panic. When this happens, I hope that you can be led to the rock that is higher than you are. I trust you remember that when you're, that you are not alone in this world and you don't need to solve all your problems or have all the answers. But there are times where your heart is going to need rest. And when you're rested, you are able to think better and you're able to make wiser choices. I'd like to read Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto Thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For Thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in Thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of Thy wings, Selah. For Thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear Thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So I will sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Heavenly Father, I want to bless you and thank you that you have made provision for these frail human minds that need rest, that need comfort and strength. And I thank you, Lord, that there is a rock that is higher than we. May we learn of it tonight in some small way. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to look now at Second Samuel chapter 15, about verses 2 through 17. We're going to kind of skip through here. But it is thought that this psalm, Psalm 61, was written 
when David needed to flee from his son Absalom. David's son Absalom had stole the hearts of the people. 2 Samuel 15, verse 2. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And, and it was so that when any man had a controversy, came to the king for judgment. Then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man to dispute of the king to hear thee. Absalom said moreover, Oh, that I were made a judge in the land, that every man which had any suit or cause might come to me, and I would do him justice. And it was so, that when any man came nigh unto him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner Absalom did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. In verse 7, Absalom becomes very spiritual. And it came to pass, after forty years, that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. Hmm. Really? There's an organized revolt and a takeover in verse 10. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. Verse 12, there's a growing allegiance. And Absalom sent for Hithophel, the Gileonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilhoa, while he offered sacrifices, and the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. David's told about it. And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. David flees. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth and all his household after him. And the king left ten women which were concubines to keep the house. And the king went forth and all the people after him and tarried in a place that was afar off. Now moving to verse 30. We have a picture of parental sorrow. And David went up by the ascent to Mount Olivet and wept as he went up and had his head covered and he went barefoot and all the people that was with him covered every man his head and they went up weeping as they went. David is here pictured in sorrow over his rebellious son the children who their parents love dearly can cause the greatest sorrow by their unwise choices. I have no greater joy than to know my children walk in truth. I have no greater sorrow than to know my children don't. 
Charles Spurgeon said this to children. Push them not into the tomb before their time, lest their ashes testify against you, and lest in the hour of your trouble, when your children treat you in like manner, you should have to learn the bitterness of rearing in your own bosom the serpent that shall sting you with the deadliest of venom. Let each of us take heed that we deal gently with our parents and always treat kindly those who have tenderly fostered us. David was not hiding his grief. No doubt he was embarrassed with his son. And yet, he had the courage to sorrow in front of people. How David had indeed been a distracted father. But this is not a discussion about why children don't turn out. (laughs) Nevertheless, David's heart at this point was overwhelmed with sorrow. For his rebellious son Absalom... And it is here in verse 32 that David worshipped. And it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshipped God, behold, Hushai the Agagite came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head. This is prayer now. At the point of overwhelming sorrow. It seemed to David that he was at the end of the earth far off left house and home because of a son who had taken over. Away from comfort. Away from peace. Away from security. Away from friends. Away from human help. And away from God's sanctuary. And there are times where the heart knows its own bitterness. And a stranger doth not intermingle with his joy. Sometimes we are the only ones who know the the bitterness of our soul. And it is here, it is thought, where David prayed. Hear my cry, O God, and attend unto my prayer. Difficult times. Yet blessed times. Hear my cry. A cry is a certain kind of prayer. When the heart is in that kind of distress. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were so afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Elijah and the widow. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou brought this evil upon this widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? It's two blind men who heard Jesus was coming by. 
And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. Crying out to God is a form of prayer that we will use when we are under this kind of pressure. You know, there are other forms of prayer. Supplication, thanksgiving, praise, repentance of faith to save the sick, intercessory, prayer for help, for grace to help in time of need, persistent prayer. Jesus prayed in agony. But now we're talking about a cry. A cry. A cry from the overwhelmed heart. From the ends of the earth will I cry. This is the cry, a prayer when the heart feels it is alone in a distant land, far out away from comfort and security and far away from human help, far away from those who understand completely. When the burdens are too heavy for human strength to lift, it is here that David says, when my heart is overwhelmed, when burdens come so hard to bear that no earthly friend can share, when sorrows like sea billows roll, John Bunyan would have called it saying he was exceedingly tumbled up and down in his mind. The Hebrew word here for overwhelmed means to shroud or to languish or to cover over it's like when a man in the day of grief would bury his head in his hands because of the sorrow is so great and he cannot lift his eyes to see his companions and it is in this condition that David says I will cry another time he said trust in him at all times ye people pour out your heart before him God is a refuge for us Selah and it is when we are in these distant lands that we should long for the sanctuary of God. But we don't always. We don't always. Sometimes we'd rather hold up and be by ourselves. I don't feel like meeting others. And understand. I've been there. Turmoil of the heart is so great. You just don't want to face others. Really, it's often what we need. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together after the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Making an excuse for not attending may be exactly what you need. David is saying, when my heart's overwhelmed, lead me. Lead me. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. This is a delightful portion of the text. These are the thoughts that I think bring security to the insecure heart. But the question is, lead me. Will your heart be led? 
Sometimes the heart doesn't feel like being led. I'd rather stay here in the sorrow and the attention of being a victim. Hmm. Enjoy the pity and seek the comfort. Attention feels good, so why leave it? It's easy for the overwhelmed heart sometimes to not take responsibility. It takes a measure of discipline to lift your head and to be led. It sometimes involves a simple admission that I need to be led. That I have not the correct thoughts about my current condition and I lead I need leading. And it might be difficult for the overwhelmed heart to admit that the tossing of these billows are some of my very own making. But the cry must be Lord lead me. Lord lead me. Lead me where? Lead me. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Yes, lead me to the rock. But oh, wait a minute. Check out the size of this rock. Check out the size of this rock. The idea here is that of a a man who has suffered shipwreck. Suffered shipwreck. And he's, his vessel has sunk. His sailing vessel has sunk. And he's been plunged into the mighty ocean. And there he is, buffeted by the waves, struggling for life, panting for breath, just about to give up for all is lost. And suddenly he discovers the rock, a rock towering above him. Oh, but if he could climb to the top of it and get a sure footing so the billows would not be able to reach him. And there he will be safe. Now that's the cry of the poor wretch for help. He's so spent and exhausted that he can't reach the rock himself. Lord, lead me. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. He shouts for a friendly hand for some strong stranger, stronger than himself. For perhaps a rope or something that he can grasp so he can get onto the rock. So come to the rock, overwhelmed heart that is willing and ready to be led. Let's take a look at the rock. Over in Minnesota, we pick rocks. We pitch them in the wagon. My back still hurts. It's not that kind of rock. No, this is a big rock. This is a big rock. This is the kind of rock you find in a national park where your gaze can go up and up and up and up to view this rock. Oh, we like the picture. And the Hebrews thought in picture. This rock is Jesus. Yes, He's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. If we've been led to the rock, now it's time for us to settle there. 
to be there for a while. This is the place where you need to find the rock within the inner man. For it's a safe place there. Come unto me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <laughs> but Martha was covered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care for my, that my sister is left to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she come help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part that shall not be taken away from her. Mary was settling on the rock. Serving is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But at this point, Mary had chosen a good thing. She was gazing at the rock. She was learning of Him. A shrine. I know what comes to your mind if I mention the word a shrine. But a shrine is a a place that is regarded as holy because of its associations with divinity. And I know when we were in Asia, we saw shrines where people were worshiping. But I would say that in the most intimate, private part of each of us, there is a shrine. It's a holy of holies within our heart. The Bible calls it the inner man. It's where you meet God. Ephesians 3.16 That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. This is a quiet place that needs to be carefully kept and maintained. It's the place where you will find security in the rock. Jesus called it your closet. Closet has a door. And Jesus said, shut the door. So the door can be shut. That you can lean on, sit on, find security in the rock that is higher than you are. Here's the place where you will be still. Be still and know that I am God. Unless the heart is still, you can't listen very well. Without being still, it's very difficult to know that God is the rock. You know, David continues then in Psalm 62, where he's actually talking to himself. Talking to yourself is a healthy practice. I've been laughed at. But I think it's scriptural. To talk to yourself. I have your I have the verse. Ephesians five nineteen, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's some men that are smiling. You do it too. Good. We are always talking to ourselves. We are always preaching a message. What kind of message are you preaching to yourself? Is it a positive good one or a negative one?
most of my preaching is done to myself. David says in Psalm 62, verse 5, My soul, my soul, wait thou upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people, and pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. So to the overwhelmed heart, your total expectation needs to be from Him. You must learn to put your whole weight down on the rock and lean fully on the everlasting arms. Perhaps you've heard about the nervous man who went up in the airplane for the first time. And after he landed, he was asked, So, how did you like your ride? And he said, Very well. But I never did put my whole weight down. You see, you sh- there There shall never be much enjoyment in the journey of life unless you're able to put your whole weight down. If you're going to enjoy life, you're going to need to be relaxed and rested. And if you're full of anxiety, you won't be able to do it. It won't be an enjoyable ride. Relax, rest, and enjoy the ride. Trusting the pilot, standing on the rock, hiding in the shelter of his wings... Trust in Him at all times. In one of my last flights, I sat beside a a lady who was sitting by the window. And when I fly, I like to watch what's happening outside. I like to know when I take off, and I like to know when the wheels are going to hit the ground. But as I sat down in the center seat between two people, sandwiched in there like sardines, um, she had the blind pulled And she also had the blind pulled on the window in front of her. I didn't know when we took off. I mean, I could feel it go, but that's all. And then we come in for the landing, and I was thinking to myself, you know, it would be really nice if I knew exactly when we were going to hit the ground. And I've flown a few times, and I can kind of tell when the flaps go out, and I can tell when the landing gear goes down. But my guess on this one was poor. Each time I guessed we were going to hit, we didn't. But once in a while... As she woke up from her slumber, she popped the window open just a little bit and peeked out and right back down. This must have happened about half a dozen times. And I thought, hmm, there's something going on here. I don't think she's enjoying the ride. As soon as the wheels of the airplane hit the tarmac, up went her window and she looked out. I guess things were okay then. We simply won't enjoy the ride of life unless we're resting in Him. Focusing in on the high rock should be for each one of us a daily exercise in our closet where we refocus our minds and our thoughts and our hearts and carefully 
take very special care of our inner man. This may sound like a mere mental exercise. Well, it is a mental exercise. It's actually a spiritual mental exercise. For some of us, there's an alternative. And that alternative is anxiety and depression. That's no fun place to be at all. I can say by testimony that this has restored me. The alternative is a constant state of anxiety. And our our nation is full of it. And those drugs for anxiety are readily, readily available. And I'm not critical if somebody takes them or is around them. Sometimes they're very needful. But I'm saying this is a bigger answer. This is a bigger answer. The big answer. From Psalm 61, once again in closing. For thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Let's bow for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, it's been a blessed time to be here together as believers, as a local church body, to strengthen and encourage the things that are needful. I pray, Lord, you had been pleased with our assembly and that the kingdom of God would have been built with our time together in purity of heart, in perseverance and being profitable and in humility. And Lord, may we know where to go with our frail human flesh. Lord, you know that we are frail. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pity them that fear him. You remember that we are dust. I pray, Lord, that we will be led That we will be, that we will come to the sanctuary where we can gaze on, we can find shelter in the rock that is higher than we are. Where we can be still and where we are able to put our whole weight down in you. Strengthen any troubled heart. Give us courage for the journey, the journey of life. Come what may so that we together someday may hear blessed words from you. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.